Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Russell Wilson, again, is the center of attention in the NFL, this time for something that didn't mention Russell Wilson, instead of Wilson mentioning where he'd like to go, if indeed it's not Seattle. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance, all of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Russell, of course, was involved in probably one of the worst plays we've ever seen in sports, Super Bowl Forty Nine. Dropping back to Malcolm Butler, and boom, the dreams of back-to-back Super Bowls explode. Instead, Malcolm Butler, who nobody had heard of five minutes earlier, (laughs) becomes one of the Super Bowl heroes and will always be linked with that play. And it's funny, the day after that, the day after that, I was at a car dealership and getting my car serviced. You know, and it's very uncomfortable you said the car dealership, right? You got like the one TV, you're in the waiting room, you got like the five or six people there. Nobody knows each other. Everybody's eating cheap snacks and you're just like, <laughs> right? The, the coffee machine, the water bottle. Bad stale popcorn. Right. Um, pretzels too. I mean, well, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't be eating the pretzels, but it's one of those things where you're sitting there and we, the Today Show was on because in the car dealership, you know, when you're in a politicized America, yeah. you have to have something very Bonzo. neutral on the TV. You can't put like Fox or CNN. <laughs> yeah. So the Today Show's on the TV. And again, this is, this is way back in the day after that particular Super Bowl. And they're watching it. And everybody in the break room, nobody knows each other. Everybody in the break room just starts going crazy. How could they do that? What were they thinking? I mean, like none of us know each other at all. And everybody's just like, what in the world is how, happening? How long ago was that? How many years? That probably like, I don't know, seven, probably seven Think years about ago. it. Wow. Seven, eight years ago. I'm still feeling that way every time I see the highlight. Yeah. The hell were you thinking? It's just, it, 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 it's like, come on, man. Seriously? So that well, is, well, yeah. Can we go next level with it? Why do you think the ball wasn't in the hands of Beast Mode? I just think that they wanted, from what I gathered and from the players that I know that was on the team, they felt like that they, the Seahawks, wanted Russell Wilson to cap it off and be the guy in the end. That's that's they didn't want Marshall. They didn't want Marshall Lynch to have that kind of notoriety, like to be. They just felt like it was time to turn Russell Wilson into Russell Wilson, and they were going to do that because if you give it to Beast Mode, he score most likely he's the MVP. Most likely he's the, you know, yep. it's the guy. They'd rather, because they were going to, if you remember, Marshawn Lynch and Pete Carroll were having issues oh, yeah. throughout the course of the season. And so it's kind of like you let some personal feelings get in the way of you winning a Super Bowl. Now, Pete obviously probably would say, no, that's not the case, which he should. But people within that locker room felt different. And so all I could go off of is the people inside the locker room. And, and then as I'm come to the conclusion it makes a whole lot of sense to me that you would want your quarterback that you essentially are going to spend the next 10 years with to be the star if if that was the case you draw it up perfectly you say this is what they're going to do on this down and distance at this part of the field they've always run this coverage they've always done these things but on the other side of it you have a smart defensive-minded head coach that knows okay this is a go-to play for them Chances are this is what they're going to do when they get into a slot, tight slot formation. That guy is going to try to pick you. As soon as you see him do this, then you react, and that's what Butler did. Yep. Let's uh, let's run through some calls. Butler said after the game, like, yeah, I knew it was going to happen. Yep. Like, it was film study. He exactly. said Exactly. He said it. He knew it was totally. coming. Totally. And I didn't even hear him say that. He said he knew it was coming because of film study, which just goes to show you, you know, what the Pats are all about. We which got I some- go back to my, my last question real quick. I, just, I know it was his third season in the league but it kind of plays into where we see Russell now. I don't know why you don't audible 
Like, okay, Pete Carroll, that's the play you want to run, but I know I have this dude behind me. Like, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him at the line scrimmage. They probably scrimmage. didn't give him the flexibility to the do freedom that. to do I that. I mean, you know, the freedom to do that. They just probably didn't. It's probably not what they wanted to. To your point, third year in the league, maybe that's the answer to the question. Obviously, he's earned the right to do whatever he wants right now. Will he earn his way out of Seattle? We shall see. Okay, so that one is a bad one. That's Key's number one choice. Jay went with the LeBron James, J.R. Smith fiasco. I went with the untimely death of uh, Andres Escobar at the 1994 World Cup. Okay, um, let's get to it. Okay, I love this one. How have we not hit this one already? What is How it? How have we not hit this one? Squid in New Jersey. Jay and I's home state. Squid in New Jersey. Go ahead. Oh, man. Great America's pastime. I got everybody beat. Bill Buckner through the legs. 86 World Series. That's a great one. Red Sox. Wow. Probably don't get back to the World Series till 04. My God. Great one. Great call. And remember, for a lot of people that don't remember that, people tend to like lionize those types of plays. That actually happened in Game 6 of the World Series. That actually happened, and then the Mets got a Game 7. People tend to think about it like it was Game 7, and it went through his legs, and Mookie Wilson. It was actually Game 6, and then the Mets rallied to win that game, and then that forced the seventh game, but it's still terrible. But to Squid's point, after they won it, you remember after they won it, Buckner was then welcomed back. back. To Boston after they finally broke the curse. Well, he went of to like Bambino. what did he go like to Montana or something? Idaho, yeah, Idaho. Where same he's thing. Buckner yeah. <laughs> has one look, heck of a stash. Hey, Zubin, same thing. Montana, Idaho, Wyoming. It's all kind of the same. You <laughs> I know. Mean, I mean, baseball's got a ton of them though. Like we were talking about this in one of the breaks. Like we had the Chuck Knobloch once was arguing with an umpire and the ball rolled away and a guy scored. Like we've had, <laughs> or the, we've had some bad base running. Yes, or the and poor that guy. was the worst base running in the history of the game. How do you? How many times do you round second base? That's right, John Miller. I'm never, it's so bad. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I missed yeah. again. Yeah. I missed it again. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. So for those that are uh, listening on the radio, essentially <laughs> this is Ruben Rivera making one of the worst uh, base running mistakes of all time. Oh, my goodness. He's so winded. Oh, he's so winded. Get him out of there. And that was the worst <laughs> base running in the history of the game. You got it right again, third? John Miller. What the hell was the third base coach doing? Yeah, you got to remember, he thought that ball was going to be caught in right field, and that just led to all sorts of issues. By the way, Ruben Rivera... Also, if you remember, that he's no, most known for that. Do you remember the second most notorious thing Ruben Rivera did? We're no. in New York now, so I had to wait till say this till we're on 98.7. Do you remember what happened? No, you're going to tell me. He stole, he stole Derek memorabilia. Jeter's glove. Oh, Do you remember that? that's right. He stole Derek Jeter's did glove. Did he steal it or did he? He stole it. Did he just accidentally to pick it up and put yeah, it in his car? Like, did he hey, accidentally a, just, uh, like the Tom mine. Brady jersey, you know, just <laughs> accidentally just. <laughs> oh, the security guard? Now, he stole it. He tried to sell it for $2,500, and here's how you know it's not an accident. The Yan- wrong with him? The Yankees released him. The Yankees released him after that. Yeah. Dudes be doing some crazy stuff, but one in baseball, and I don't know if this counts for a play, mm-hmm. is the guy in the Chicago Cubs. The, the, the oh, out- Bartman. Bartman. Does that count for a play? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Right, because it was That's a play. A play. Moises Alou was there, right, off the baseline. It's a play, and obviously but same thing But the fact that he's not part of the team – and he's not, you know, that's why I said, is it, does it count for a play? But it's a worse play because they could have ended their World Series drought yeah. there. They ended it in 16. And then obviously, much like Buckner, Bartman was sort of welcomed back in. But unlike Buckner, Buckner came back into the public life. Bartman, for the most part, has still remained man, you gotta, on the outside that's, that's, looking that's, in, despite the championship. Like I said, I don't want to be that guy, man. That's heavy on you when you cost 
a championship like that and you mm-hmm. do those sort right. of things. Also keep in mind in, in Bartman's defense, of course, this was the National League Championship World Series, not the World Series. Right? I, I, opportunity I get it. To get to the World but Series. But they hadn't gotten there like a hundred and some years 100%. or something crazy. And when they won it, they welcomed him back. And again, Bartman has not been nearly um, as... I, just, I think it's fair to just mention No, that, it is. Right? It's fair, right? but... Right? If something happens in the NFC title game, like Seahawks-Packers in the NFC title game, is different between... Seahawks and Pats in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. That's, that's that, a huge that, difference. That's the same thing with the, the, the uh, Rams and the Saints. In mm-hmm. the, that wasn't the Super Bowl. That was just kind of a championship situation. I mean, uh, you know, and so you look at that, you go, eh, different than the Super Bowl. One of our callers actually brought up, um, and Ev, I don't know if he's on the line. If the uh, I don't want to give it away because I don't want to let him steal his thunder here. Is the guy that has the Olympic uh, recommendation still on the line, or is he gone? He's gone. I'll take that as a he's gone. Yes, okay. He's you gone. know what he said? No. You're Dan O'Brien. Us. Do you remember Dan O'Brien? Remember Dan and Dave? Yeah, Dan oh, yeah, and Dave. Dan, Dan, Dan. He I had, brought I had up them on Dan our show O'Brien. in L.A. Oh, I had a good on our show that's, a, that's a really good one. Right? How much marketing money was lost there when they didn't make the Olympics? It was a lot. That was, right? It was tons because they were big. They I mean, were they were building them, up, building them up, building them up, building them up, and then... Indeed, this is Keyshawn J. Will Zubin. Again, we'll take your calls all morning long. Worst play I've ever seen in sports. Worst play I've ever seen in sports. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17. Brought to you by Chase. Okay. Yeah. College first, Myers at the end. That's right. Them, of course, would be the Zags. And in this season of three-week pauses and looking rusty out of the pause, Gonzaga really no such thing. When I watch them, I just I mean, when they play BYU, Jay, it's like 15-2 out of the gate. And then when they play Santa Clara, it's like struggling in the second half. To me, that's just they seem a little bit bored at this they are particular board. That's point. That's always a problem. That's and, always a problem. And as we welcome in Seth Greenberg, just a reminder, 2017 NCAA championship game. It's North Carolina-Gonzaga, Gonzaga's first championship game with one minute and 40 seconds to go in the game. I was actually watching it a little bit the other day, hyping up for the tournament this year. With one minute and 40 seconds to go, so let's call it 100 seconds to go, they were tied with North Carolina 66-66. They were 100 seconds away from their first championship after everything started in 99 and Adam Morrison and all of that they were 100 seconds away and at this particular point it feels like 100% if you were going to bet on one team I know it's the team versus the field but if you had to pick one team it just sort of feels like Gonzaga is that team Seth good morning they wrapped up another West Coast Conference tournament championship last night how do you feel about this team heading to selection Sunday Sue first you were actually sitting there looking back at a game like how many years ago just to kind of <laughs> your pencil? Four years ago, just four years ago. <laughs> so you're, you're incredible. I mean, it's the only way to describe it. You're incredible. So I'm still trying to find out where your house was inside Bristol because I know you slept there. I just I still haven't found your Somebody. abode, but I know it's somewhere in there. It, 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 your, your abode is more dangerous than uh, Joey Brackett's bunker. I mean, that's, that, that's all. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, this team, look, offensively, they're absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the flow that they play with, uh, they transition from their transition game right into offense. They're a terrific passing team. Jalen Suggs, to me, is the number one pick in the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. He's a grown man, and Cade Cunningham's been terrific. But his ability to, his strength, his toughness, his ability to get to the rim, his ability to make big shots, he defends. Uh, they don't have a weakness offensively. Now, you saw yesterday a weakness defensively. 
Uh, now they they cleaned it up a little bit. In the second half, they were, they were a step behind every single play in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're playing against a like type athletes, you can't spot it twelve points at halftime. If you're playing against a team that's not going to turn it over. You can't spot them 12 points at halftime. If you're playing against a team that gets good shots so they have floor balance so they can take you out of transition, you can't spot them 12 points. Uh, do I think that they're the most talented offensive team in the country? Yes. Do I think they could win a national championship? Yes. And You know, Jay Will, we used to have this conversation all the time. They needed to have their temperature raised. They did respond. But there's a difference between having your temperature raised by BYU and having your temperature raised by Baylor or Michigan or Ohio State or any of the teams that have like-type athletes that have a physicality to their game. So, look, they're terrific. They could win the national championship, but they needed more games like this. They haven't played a competitive game since December 26th. They had a great non-conference schedule. I mean, they played Iowa, Virginia, and West Virginia, and Kansas. They were supposed to play Baylor, uh, and they took care of business. Seth, That's said a this- long time you said without this, having your temperature raised. You said they can win a championship. Will they win a championship? Will they be I mean, one of the first the teams since 2018 to be field. undefeated and win the whole damn thing? Is it time for this to happen? You know, in this crazy year, it might be time, but I think there are teams out there I would take the field in a heartbeat, uh, you know, because of exactly that, because Baylor is so good defensively, uh, because Michigan, if Eli Brooks comes back, uh, has a low post player that can bang and move his feet with Timmy, protect the rim, and oh, by the way, they got these floor gamers all over the court. Like Baylor, Baylor's just different, man. They got five guards. I mean, you look at Baylor's one of the few teams that when Kispert goes to four, which he plays a majority of the time now, it becomes an absolute matchup nightmare. They have no problem matching up with him. The same thing with Michigan. Like, if you don't have a guy that can defend Kispert at four, you have no chance to beat Gonzaga. Because of the way he plays all over the floor, the way he trails breaks and they flip it back to him and he knocks down threes. Um, but like Michigan and Baylor have that. Like Michigan's got two guys at the wings and Isaiah Livers and, and Franz Wagner, right? Those dudes can guard anyone. So they match up well. Uh, so, you know, I would say I'm still taking the field, uh, but I would be shocked if, if Gonzaga wins it all. I mean, this is a special offensive team, historically good. Uh, the number of guys who could make a play. I mean, we don't even talk about Joel Yayi, and he's got the only triple-double in the history of Gonzaga basketball. Every year, though, Coach, we talk about Gonzaga, right? We we It seems like that we get to this point in tournament time, and we got Gonzaga right there, but it seems like it always ends – in a little bit of misery for them. Why is that? What makes you feel that they're going to get over the hump this year? Uh, they're mature. In this season, maturity is a premium. Uh, their maturity, uh, their resilience, their offensive skill is so ridiculous. Key, it's, it, it's ridiculous how they play. They play like a good NBA team in terms of their flow. Their spacing is unbelievable. Tim Lee, Timmy's a matchup problem because his footwork around the basket. They score 51 points a game. In the paint, they shoot 64. Their effective field goal percentage is 64%. I mean, they've got scorers and playmakers and floor gamers and shot makers all over the court. So uh, this team offensively, I do have concerns about defensively. But I, I do think that, you know, when we say, well, they have one championship. And, you know, Jay, well, you, you won one. You lost one. Uh, but it's hard, man. Our sport is hard. There's not 10 teams you got to beat. Or there's not two games you got to win. 
like in 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 football. I mean, you got to you've got to be you can't have a bad day. Mm. You can't have a bad day. You have a bad day once you get to that second round. There's a more level playing field, and you know, scouting is so good. And you can you know the three point shot is an equalizer. Uh, so it's really hard. But they've been the lead eights. They've been the final fours. Uh, they've been consistently good, but. You know, compare it, let, let, let's put it this way. I mean, that's Gonzaga. That's not Duke. That's North Carolina. That's not Kentucky. And those guys have hard times to win it also and, and with with far greater traditions. So, uh, yeah. you know, I just think this team is unique. It's uh-huh. really unique. The coach, Seth Greenberg, joining us on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin. Coach, we've been talking about over the last couple weeks, right? Jawan Howard, Michigan, oh, my God, they're going to do it. Five, five, here we go. Oh, big change it. What the hell has happened to them over the last week? I think they're just fine. Eli Brooks going down in the Michigan State game was huge. It was huge. People understand they lost to Minnesota when Eli Brooks was down. See, they play with two point guards. And, you know, they, having a second ball handler takes a little bit of pressure off of, of Smith and everyone else. You've got his leadership, another defender. Uh, it, it impacts your lineup. So it, the, the health of Eli Brooks is, is for real. But I have no problem. Our sport, you're going to lose games. And, you know, in the Big Ten, there's a cumulative effect of that league that just wears you down. You're playing a Michigan State team that was absolutely desperate, absolutely desperate. Now, what Tom Izzo's done with that team is off the charts. I mean, it's insane. But uh, I have no problems with Michigan right now. I still think that Juwan Howard's the national coach of the year. I still think that what he's done with Hunter Dickinson is absolutely incredible. I think that the, the joy that they play with uh, – uh, that that those wing guys, when you got a six eight and a six nine wing guy that can put it on the floor, make threes, defend, play off the ball, play on the ball, and then mm. you complement them with two point guards and a and movable object in Hunter Dickinson, I mean that's a hard that's a hard lineup to play against. And the guys that come off the bench do what Coach Holland used to tell me all the time when when I was at Virginia. The guys who come off the bench have to be able to do one of two things. They either have to change the tempo of the game like Sean Brown does. Or they've got to be mistake-free guys, the guys that just flat-out buy into their yeah. roles, you know, defend and rebound. And they have it. They've got a nice, tight eight-man rotation. I'm not worried about Michigan at all. I, I can see Michigan at the Elite Eight, Final Four, and compete for a national championship. Mm. Coach, I want to switch gears real quick, but a reminder, Seth is brought to you by Wendy's, proud sponsor of the 2021 John R. Wooden Men's and Women's Player of the Year, of course, Jay, a former winner of that incredible honor. Um as a Jewish American, I want to get your thoughts on this particular story that has rocked the NBA. Uh, Myers Leonard was a, quite a good college player himself, of course. You remember first-round draft pick of the Blazers back in 2012. He has been, quote, going to be away from the team indefinitely. According to the Miami Heat, after video surfaced of him using an anti-Semitic slur while he was playing a video game on a public live stream Twitch yesterday. He apologized for his ignorance. The Anti-Defamation League has come out and said that they condemn this. The NBA is putting forth an investigation. Coach, once again, as a Jewish American involved in basketball, hearing these sorts of comments, these incendiary sorts of words, just wondering what your perspective is this morning. Ignorance. I mean, just plain ignorance. Uh, You know, to me, uh, you know, you talk about ethnic slur, slur and, I, you know, I, I was talking to Evan Pryor and you guys had this conversation. Like, like to me, even though it's part of pop culture within a circle, you hear 
the N-word, which is disgusting to me, and I would stop our guys if they used that word in my practice and said, no, that's not happening here. I don't care what you do away from me, but that's not happening here. But I heard, look, that that's what, what Myers Leonard said is a, unfortunately a part of society. Like anti-Semitism is real. Like it, it, it exists. It, you know, people don't want to talk about it, but it exists. And his ignorance and to use a word he says he didn't know the meaning of, to use it in a public forum, uh, disgusts me. And yeah, what he needs to do is part of whatever they're going to do with him, he needs to go to the Holocaust Museum. He needs to understand what really uh, the Jewish people have been through and, and be educated. And, you know, I think that what the NBA is doing, what, the, what Miami here doing is exactly right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. I got a call, phone call last night. I'll put it in context real quickly. Kevin Cutler is an official in the NBA. He played for me at Long Beach State. 11.30 last night, he said, Coach, I got to talk to you. He sends me a text message. I said, call me now. I'm, I'm hanging out. It bothered him so much. Here's a guy that's officiating in the NBA. Played for me years ago at Long Beach State. He said, Coach, educate me on this. He said, because I'm reading up on this, and to me, I can't even imagine where this would come from. And, you know, you know, we talked last week about learned behavior, Coach Seth. McDermott. Learned all right? behavior. And it's the same thing. Where did, where did this come from? You know, is this just a word he just threw out? Or is this a word in the circles he, he hangs out that he hears? But where does this come from? And what does it mean to you? And that was the question Kevin asked me. He said, Coach, what does it mean to you? And I said, it's the most hurtful word that you could say to a, a Jewish American. Uh, it, it is it is as egregious and hurtful and disparaging and offensive a word as you could say. And the, the, the sadness is that, you know, people have their head in the sand. They don't really realize it. But you know what? That's happened to me. It's happened to me while I was coaching. It's happened to me while I was walked off the court at games. Uh, unfortunately, so, so, uh, segment of society uh, condones it. Or ignores it. And you know what, Seth? It, it, the word is atrocious. It, it's uh, it's disgusting yeah. and atrocious. And I'll tell you what even makes it worse. He's playing a game called COD, right? Call of Duty out there for the people that don't know what that means. He's killing somebody in the game, calling somebody that. Yeah. Like, it, it, the, the, the two worlds colliding in that aspect, like, I, I um, man, that, that's, that's different. That's, that's different. And that's learned behavior, Seth. That's learned behavior. He has said that word before around people that he's been comfortable saying that word. You just don't make up a word that's never been existing in your, you know, in your lexicon. You, you don't do that. It, that's learned behavior. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and unfortunately, it, it's, it, it's part of our society that's kind of put off into a dark, deep corner for some reason. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy that the NBA is taking a strong stand on it and, uh, you know, to me, uh, my phone just blew up. I mean, like, as soon as it happened, obviously my phone blew up from, you know, former players and uh, friends I grew up with. And, you know, the, the word was, you know, obviously just ignorance. It's still alive and well. Because anti-Semitism is alive and well in, in the world. Uh, it just it, it just is. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not on the forefront, but it, it exists. And it exists in the same little unfortunately, uh, words that people use behind people's back or, or jokes that they think are funny, uh, but it's real. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, the Myers Leonard, maybe he'll, he'll take the time to be educated on his ignorance. Well, let's hope so. 
Last thing I would just say on the way out the door, Seth, here is if you want to mention, you know, the one silver lining of this, if there is such a thing, Seth said to go visit the National Holocaust Museum, which is in Washington, D.C. Myers Leonard is going to have an opportunity to do that. He's probably not going to play the rest of the year. He's had a shoulder operation, hasn't played much this year. So maybe he can use his time wisely and do what Seth said. Seth, uh, really appreciate the raw, visceral, emotional, personal reaction you gave us this morning. And we're going to see plenty of you on the way to Selection Sunday, and then the greatest three weeks in sports. Thank you, Seth. All right, Coach. Thanks, sir. All right, guys. Be well, man. Take care. Be safe. That's Seth Greenberg joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. Of course, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. On the way from the 135th overall pick in his draft to drafting and signing a record-breaking contract. How did Dak do it? Maybe the first guy to realize how special he really was and is, not Yuki, joins us next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Dallas Cowboys have come to terms on a new deal with quarterback Dak Prescott. From Adam Schefter, it appears Dak Prescott has agreed to a four-year, $160 million deal with the Cowboys. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bought, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Man, I just kind of wish every once in a while Michael Irvin would turn it up and give us some energy. That exchange you heard between Michael Irvin and Stephen A. Smith is available to stream on Stephen A.'s World. He just guessed, I mean, the Stephen yeah, A. I was saying trying to have Stephen A. be at the head of the parade. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. As much as he rid- he's ridiculed them over the years. Yeah, you can he- always come and live in my house if you choose to do so. There it is. I knew I was going to get the impersonation sooner or later. Not the White House. Justice House. Oh, Sorry, Jeez. it was so obvious. It was so there. Had to do it. And by the way, as uh, as Jay has said, I think there's a better chance that uh, Max Kellerman is going to host the Pats Parade, the next Pats Parade, than Stephen A. hosting the Cowboys Parade. I mean, come on. What you you know, we can thank this man, Coach Dan Mullen of the Florida Gators, for finding Dak Prescott. And he joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. Of course, he found him at Mississippi that. State. Dan, it's great to have you here. You're on the ground floor with Dak. Now everybody's all in love with Dak. But I always ask, I want to ask this question to a coach since I sit here with two former pro athletes. Was there a moment, like a game, a practice, yelling at somebody, doing something, 
where you first realized down there in Starkville one day that Dak, Dak is different. You know, boy, I, if, if, if there's one that just sets the bar that's in the back of your mind, we do, you know, we do this Valentine's Day workout, which is, uh, you know, a love fest, but it's, a, it's actually a, it's the one of the hardest workouts we do to just to, you know, to press the mental toughness of the kids. We, you know, start early in the morning. Uh, we split, there's three groups that go, you know, one of the things Dak did, he was in the first group. Uh, he crushes the workout, makes sure it leads all those guys, finishes the workout, goes in and does the second half of the second workout with those guys to push them, finishes with them, and then shows back up at the third workout to make sure everybody's pushing to the level they need to push. So most people can't even survive the first workout. And, uh, you know, he was, he was in there in all three groups getting after the guys because, you know, that's when you watch him. That's what he is. I mean, he's a leader. He's an it guy. And, uh, you know, he raises the level of play of everybody around him. Coach, Dak was drafted in the fourth round. How does, how does he go from being drafted in the fourth round basically as a backup to getting the richest contract the Dallas Cowboys have ever handed to a quarterback? You know, I think one thing that people miss, and, and is if you look at Dak, there's a couple of the things is, if you watch his development from when he got to college to when he left college, that, that growth every single year. Uh, and then, you know, if you watch his growth every single year in the NFL, you watch these guys coming out of high school maybe, and, you know, they, they, they have all the tools, they have all the skills, and they get a little bit better in college, you know, and then maybe to get to the NFL and they still have all the skills, they had all the talent. Dax, Dax worked for it, and if you've seen to me his development from not just one year, every single year, you know, for I mean, there, he was an okay quarterback coming out of high school, and then he continued to grow, continued to develop, and he was a pretty, he was a great quarterback coming out of college, and then he continued to develop. And he was a solid pro his first year, but got better and better and better. And I think that's his inner drive uh, that he has that pushes himself to improve from one year to the next. You know, Coach, we all as professional athletes, coaches, have high expectations. When People have high expectations for us when we get new contracts. You move from Mississippi State to Florida, get the big money. Everybody expects for Florida to be back on the map. You've done great there. Now Dak gets this huge contract. What are, how will he handle those expectations of the Cowboy fans based on the money that he's receiving? You know what? In, in knowing a Dak, I mean, he's going to have higher expectations of himself than anybody else is going to have of him. And, uh, you know, I, I think the new contract for him uh, just puts it at ease. You know, I mean, it, it allows him now to say, hey, I'm the quarterback. They want me here. Uh, I'm in this position to, to lead. I'm going to be here long term. Uh, I, I think that actually takes some pressure off of him. You know, because I, I think you're not going to find anybody that wants to win more than him that's going to drive himself more than him. I mean, he's just that type of a competitor. So I think it probably just kind of eases his mind and lets him get back to pushing himself to be the best, you know, and and, uh, and, and that's the type of guy he is. I know that's where he wanted to be. I think he wanted to be uh, the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he wants to lead that team, lead that organization, and he's going to drive and push himself and everybody around him. So I don't know if it'll add pressure or it'll, it'll ease pressure off of him. Dan, I'm sure you've heard that old saying that nice guys finish last. And here we have a nice guy that's finishing in the upper echelon. And everybody always talks about his character. Do you have any stories that can provide insight to people about Dak's character and how good of a person he is? 
you know, I mean, he, he it is, it, it, he's one of these guys that's amazing. And, and, and I'll share this with you because he's a guy that you could show up, you know, at, at, to work. You could show up in the office or show up at practice. And he is going to just, I mean, jump your rear end. I mean, he will get after you. He will push you. He will demand your best. You know, I mean, and, and he'll write for four, you know, the entire practice. He's going to be on you to get better. And you've never seen anything like it because the second that practice ends, everyone wants to go hang out with him. Everyone still wants to be around him. You know, I mean, he, he it all of a sudden switches from this guy that is going to demand your best and won't settle and will get after you the entire time you're on the practice field to the walk off the field. He's everyone on the team's best friend, which is, you know, that that leadership, that ability to have that it factor, that that's kind of what an it factor is, uh, is is hard to explain. You know, and I, I haven't seen it. You know, I haven't been around him with the Cowboys. But in college, that was every day. He would push people to their limits. He would get after them. And the second you're walking off the field, everyone still was drawn and wanted to be around him at all times. Well, wow. Coach, uh, another one of your players that has that – that Janesse Kwai, that it factor is Kyle Pitts. Uh, I've been seeing his name rise up the draft boards at the tight end position. What, what is it about him that makes him so special? You know, I mean, one, he's, he is a, just a phenomenal athlete, you know, and, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, plays tight end, and he's, and he's and at a solid tight end, you know, I mean, he's going to put his face in there, he's going to block, he's going to cover people up. He's, he's not going to be an extra offensive lineman. You don't mistake him for that. But you can move him around, and he might be the best X receiver I've ever coached. And he might he's, he's the best tight end I've ever coached. And so you just can move him around to all of these different spots on the field because he has great length. He has great athleticism. He has unbelievable ball skills and body control in the air. And, you know, and, and then people forget he, he just turned 21 years old. I mean, he's, he's this young kid that still is growing, developing. Uh, but he loves the game. He works at the game. Uh, and, you know, I mean, and he's a high character, great kid that comes in ready to be his best every day and push himself. And so, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I still think he has so much growth and develop ahead of him because he's still so young. And uh, uh, he's going to be a special player at the next level. He's fun to coach. I'll tell you, you want to go design a game plan? It's awful fun to have a guy like that that you can move around all over the field. Coach, we've seen in years, right, and, and you've been around it coaching college football, and, and Urban Meyer is obviously uh, someone you worked alongside of, his offensive coordinator, you know, mentor, whatever you want to call it. And we kind of know what Urban is on a college level. It's a big adjustment, as we all know, in the NFL. What adjustments does Urban need to make in Jacksonville to be successful? You know, I, I think it is one thing Urban does is has unbel- is a great motivator, uh, has great relationships with the players, and has the ability to get the most out of his players. Uh, and you know, I, I think one of the things uh, it is adapting to the pro athlete over the college athlete. And you know, now I think once he adapts to that, uh, and he starts building those relationships within the team. And I think you know this as, as, as a pro player. Hey, you want a coach that is going to help you become your best, right? I mean, I, that, that's how I view it, right? I mean, and, and now Urban's going to be able to – I think he'll do a great job adapting to that of, you know, the, of helping these, the NFL player become his best and maximize his individual talent 
while joining and being the most and getting the most out of being on a team and having the opportunity to go win a championship. Now, I think the development in college is a little bit different. You know, the development is everything. You're getting them to class. You're getting them a degree. All the offseason, you're around them. They're all training together here in the offseason. You know, I think that 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 making that uh, adaptation that it isn't. You don't have that con- total control over every aspect of every player in their growth and development. But I think once he they, he they figure out how that dynamic works together and the players learn that, hey, here's a guy that is going to work as hard to make me and get the best out of me every single day, I think he's going to do fine and, and that team will thrive. Coach, we got 30 seconds. So this, I'm sorry this has to be quick. We got to run. The other day we were talking about the top 20 quarterbacks or the top quarterbacks in the last 20 years of college football. And Key did not have Tebow in the top five. Yeah, that's not real smart. I think he's probably, if you look statistically, he's probably the best college football player in history. Uh, it's hard to argue with his stats. Now, I'm not saying the, the greatest quarterback and compared to the NFL, um, you know, that way. But it's hard to argue if you look at his college career with a three-time Heisman finalist, Heisman Trophy winner, two-time Davey O'Brien, two-time Maxwell, two All-American, two national championships hard to argue with his college career not being the one of the, one of if not the greatest college career in history what the hell did you think the coach was gonna say <laughs> he coached him for crying out loud hey, i'll say this i still coach players that are much that that are as a football player are better football players <laughs> but i will say this it's hard to argue that anybody had a better college career than him. well try to tell him coach I hey try man to tell him. i put matt leinard at the top i went to usc <laughs> Not even and, top and five. I, and I would argue that my Trojans' best team would have beat those Gators. So, but still, that, oh, not well. even a top five, Dan. This is what I live with on a daily basis. Cam Newton. I think. I, hey, I think. I think either one of the national championship Gator teams would have welcomed hey, that matchup. Hey, 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 Tell coach, him, Dan. Hey, coach. Cam Newton was in there. <laughs> Vince Young was in there. Yeah. Joe Burrow was in there. Deshaun Watson, Deshaun hey, Cam, Watson Cam was Cam in there. Newton, Matt I had, I had Cam. I had Cam Newton in the same quarterback room as Tim Tebow. How about that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, I was coaching both of them. Now, I will say this. Hey, I, Cam is an unbelievable player. Cam could be more – I think Cam could be more talented. He's a more talented quarterback. You still can't argue that Cam had a better college career than Tebow. It, you, you can't. Peyton, you know, Peyton Manning might be one of the great quarterbacks ever to play the game. He didn't have as good a college career as Tim Tebow had. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't in my top five. Yeah, Thanks I, for speaking facts, Dan. I appreciate <laughs> you. But doesn't mean he wasn't six. <laughs> oh, jeez. Doesn't mean he wasn't Stop six. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Bottom line, when it comes to the word accomplished, I think Dan wins that argument game, set, and match. Oh, he's the coach. He coached him. <laughs> he did. He's recruiting on our show right now for the next one. Yeah, that's called smart. <laughs> yeah. Strategery. Thank you very much, Coach. Really appreciate it. Doesn't need the recruiting help with the way he's off to that start down in Gainesville. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Hey, I appreciate it. Great to be with you guys. Right, Same to you. Thank you. Dan Mullen on the Goodyear Hotline brought to you He's by great. Goodyear, right, helping Zubin. you discover the road ahead. <laughs> Goodyear. <laughs> driven. Finally. <laughs> on the way, back to your calls on the worst plays in sports history. What are you thinking about? The worst plays in sports history. Get the phone lines jammed. 888-ESPN-KEY-JNZ on Twitter. All of that after Tebow Hater Key has this. Record. Oh, wow. Ah! Okay, Zubin loosening up around here. He called me a Tebow Hater. All right. <laughs> Save big doing O'Reilly Auto Parts Power Torque 2's DIY Day Sale uh. with great deals on socket sets, power tools, and more. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, you need the right tools for the job, and this is your opportunity, Jay. Right now, get a $10 off 
200-piece mechanics tool set plus double O rewards points. That means you'll get to your next reward even faster. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Wednesday with Greeny, we're still looking back on Dak Prescott signing the richest deal in Cowboys history, and we'll talk to another Cowboy legend, Moose Johnston, with me, Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com morning code morning for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. John J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline coming up in just about nine minutes from now. Deshaun to the Jets. (laughs) Why not the Giants? And what's really the difference, honestly, between Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones? What is the difference? A Giants Super Bowl champion weighs in in nine minutes on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin. College basketball in the home stretch. Tune in tonight. ACC tourney coverage begins 6 Eastern ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Jay fired up. Duke's got Louisville tonight. North Carolina, Notre Dame. All that tonight on ESPN Radio. We're asking this morning, worst plays you've ever seen in sports. Ever seen in sports. Keys weighed in with the Super Bowl, the Russell Wilson interception. Jay's got LeBron and J.R. Smith. I have Andres Escobar being murdered shortly after the 1994 World Cup for delivering an old goal for Colombia against the USA. Take your calls. Here we go. Walter and Richmond, you're on ESPN Radio. Worst play ever. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How's everybody? I hope it's healthy days ahead of you. Um, my call is about the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Immaculate Reception. Mm. Uh, I was a Raiders fan, and that was the first time I dropped F-bombs, got punished, got grounded. Uh, <laughs> that was brutal for me, man. And I also got the Joe Pisarczyk situation, oh, finding out a giant quarterback was on the Eagles' payroll. Walter, you deserve two star. He went immaculate reception and miracle at the Meadowlands in one phone call. That's pretty good. Yeah, I I wasn't obviously paying real attention to the we'll have to get Herm on the, the Herm or whatever. But seeing that highlight, I'm like, seriously, like all you got to do. It's the same thing with the Seahawks. All they had to do is snap the ball and kneel down. They fumbled. Seahawks punch it in. You win the Super Bowl. That's all. It's like makes that no easy. sense. That, yeah. The dude fumbled. And Herm picked it up. 
And off to the races. There's some lot of great memories between the Eagles and the Giants, and that certainly is among them. Again, we'll take your calls throughout the course of the morning. We've been talking about this, and you guys have been coming up with some great ones. Just to recap, if you're just joining us this morning, we've had the three that we've mentioned. Bill Buckner has been out there. Steve Bartman has been out there. Um, you Chris know, one Weber that, has been out there. Chris Weber has been Turn out there out. a couple times. One, one that hasn't been brought up, and if somebody wants to call and just give the reasoning, that's fine. This was brought up when we were discussing it. Yesterday, if you're a golf fan, three words, John Vandeveld. You may remember that if you're a golf fan. One of the epic choke jobs in the history of major championship golf at the Open Championship. No, he had like a a bazillion. Miss a putter. He missed a a putter. (laughs) Whatever. A putter, putter, putter. He had an insurmountable lead that suddenly (laughs) became surmountable. Zubin, find your putter. Somebody call us and tell us about that. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.